Sojourn, Part 4, Resolutions I now view my long road as a search for truth, truth in my own heart, in the world around me, and in the larger questions of purpose and of existence. How does one define good and evil? I carried an internal code of morals with me on my track, though whether I was born with it, or it was imparted to me by Zach Nefane, or whether it simply developed from my perceptions, I cannot ever know. This code forced me to leave Menzaberanzan, for though I was not certain of what those truths might have been, I knew beyond doubt that they would not be found in the domain of Loth. After many years in the underdark outside of Menzaberanzan, and after my first awful experiences on the surface, I came to doubt the existence of any universal truth, came to wonder if there was, after all, any purpose to life. In the world of Drow, ambition was the only purpose, the seeking of material gains that came with increased rank. Even then, that seemed a little thing to me, hardly a reason to exist. I thank you, Montelio de Bruschi, for confirming my suspicions. I have learned that the ambition of those who follow selfish precepts is no more than a chaotic waste, a finite gain that must be followed by infinite loss. For there is indeed a harmony in the universe, a concordant singing of common weal. To join that song, one must find inner harmony, must find the notes that ring true. There is one other point to be made about that truth. Evil creatures cannot sing. Drizzt Duarden Chapter 16 Of Gods and Purpose The lessons continued to go quite well. The old ranger had lessened the drow's considerable emotional burden, and Driz picked up on the ways of the natural world better than anyone Montalio had ever seen. But Montalio sensed that something still bothered the drow, though he had no idea of what it might be. Do all humans possess such fine hearing? Drizd asked him suddenly as they dragged a fallen branch out of the grove. Or is yours a blessing, perhaps, to make up for your blindness? The bluntness of the question surprised Montelio for just the moment it took for him to recognize the drow's frustration, an uneasiness caused by Drizd's failure to understand the man's abilities. Or is your blindness perhaps a ruse, a deception you use to gain the advantage? Drizd pressed relentlessly. If it is, Montelio replied offhandedly, then it is a good one, Montelio de Bruschi, Drizzt replied. Surely it aids you against enemies and friends alike. The words tasted bitter to Drizzt, and he suspected that he was letting his pride get the best of him. You have not often been bested in battle, Montelio replied recognizing the source of Driz's frustrations as their sparring match. If he could have seen the drow then, Driz's expression would have revealed much. "'You'll take it too hard,' Montelio continued after an uneasy silence. "'I did not truly defeat you. You had me down and helpless. "'You beat yourself,' Montelio explained. I am indeed blind, but not as helpless as you seem to think. You underestimate me. I knew that you would, too, though I hardly believe that you could be so blind. Driz stopped abruptly, and Montelio stopped on cue as the drag on the branch suddenly increased. 
the old ranger shook his head and cackled. He then pulled out a dagger, spun it high into the air, caught it, and yelling, Birch! heaved it squarely into one of the few birch trees by the evergreen grove. Could a blind man do that? Montalio asked rhetorically. Then you can see, Tris stated. Of course not, Montalio retorted sharply. My eyes have not functioned for five years, but neither am I blind, Drizzt, especially in this place I call home. Yet you thought me blind, the ranger went on, his voice calm again. In our sparring, when your spell of darkness expired, you believed that you had gained the edge. Did you think that all of my actions, effective actions, I must say, both in the battle against the orcs and in our fight was simply prepared and rehearsed? If I were as crippled as Drizduan believes me, how should I survive another day in these mountains? I did not, Drizd began, but his embarrassment silenced him. Montalio spoke the truth, and Drizd knew it. He had, at least on the unconscious level, thought the ranger less than whole since their very first meeting. Drizd felt he showed his friend no disrespect. Indeed, he thought highly of the man. But he had taken Montalio for granted, and thought the ranger's limitations greater than his own. "'You did,' Montalio corrected. "'And I forgive you for that. To your credit, you treated me more fairly than any who knew me before, even those who traveled beside me through uncounted campaigns. Sit now,' he bade Drizd. It is my turn to tell my tale, as you have told yours. Where to begin? Montalio mused, scratching at his chin. It all seemed so distant to him now, another life that he'd left behind. He retained one link to his past, though. His training as a ranger of the goddess Myliki. Drizd, similarly instructed by Montalio, would understand. I gave my life to the forest, to the natural order, at a very young age, Montalio began. I learned, as I have begun to teach you the ways of the wild world, and decided soon enough that I would defend that perfection, that harmony of cycles too vast and wonderful to be understood. That is why I so enjoy battling orcs and the like. As I have told you before, they are enemies of natural order, the enemies of trees and animals, as much as of man and of the goodly races. Wretched things, all in all, and I feel no guilt in cutting them down. Montalieu then spent many hours recounting some of his campaigns, expeditions in which he acted singly or as a scout for huge armies. He told Drizzt of his own teacher, Dillamon a ranger so skilled with a bow that he had never seen her miss, not once in ten thousand shots. She died in battle, Montalio explained, defending a farmhouse from a raiding band of giants. Weep not for Mistress Dillamon, though, for not a single farmer was injured, and not one of the few giants who crawled away ever showed his ugly face in that region again. Montalio's voice dropped noticeably when he came to his more recent past. He told of the range watchers, his last adventuring company, and how they came to battle a red dragon that had been marauding the villages. The dragon was slain, as were three of the range watchers. 
and Montalio had his face burned away. The clerics fixed me up well, Montalio said somberly. Hardly a scar to show for my pain, he paused, and Drizzt saw for the first time he had met the old ranger, a cloud of pain crossed Montalio's face. They could do nothing for my eyes, though. The wounds were beyond their abilities. You came out here to die, Drizzt said more accusingly than he intended. Montalio did not refute the claim. I have suffered the breath of dragons, the spears of orcs, the anger of evil men, and the greed of those who would rape the land for their own gain, the ranger said. None of those things wounded as deeply as pity. Even my range-watch companions who had fought beside me so many times pitied me. Even you. I did not, Driz tried to interject. You did indeed. Montalie retorted. In our battle, you thought yourself superior. That is why you lost. The strength of any ranger is wisdom, Drizzt. A ranger understands himself, his enemies, and his friends. You thought me impaired, else you never would have attempted such a brash maneuver as to jump over me. But I understood you and anticipated the move. That sly smile flashed wickedly. Does your head still hurt? It does, Drizzt admitted, rubbing the bruise, though my thoughts seem to be clearing. As to your original question, Montalio said, satisfied that his point had been made. There is nothing exceptional about my hearing, or any other of my senses. I just pay more attention to what they tell than do other folks, and they guide me quite well, as you now understand. Truly, I did not know of their abilities myself when I first came out here, and you are correct in your guess as to why I did. Without my eyes, I thought myself a dead man, and I wanted to die here, in this grove that I've come to know and love in my earlier travels. Perhaps it was due to my leaky, the mistress of the forest, though more likely it was Grawl an enemy so close at hand, but it did not take me long to change my intentions concerning my own life. I found a purpose out here, alone and crippled, and I was crippled in those first days. With that purpose came a renewal of meaning in my life, and that in turn led me to realize again my limits. I am old now and weary and blind." If I had died five years ago, as I had intended, I would have died with my life incomplete. I never would have known how far I could go, only in adversity beyond anything Montalio de Brucey had ever imagined, could I have come to know myself and my goddess so well. Montalio stopped to consider Drizzt. He heard a shuffle at the mention of his goddess and he took it to be an uncomfortable movement. Wanting to explore this revelation, Montalio reached inside his chainmail and tunic and produced a pendant shaped like a unicorn's head. "'Is it not beautiful?' he pointedly asked. Drizzt hesitated. The unicorn was perfectly crafted and marvelous in design, but the connotations of such a pendant did not sit easily with the drow. 
back in Menzoberranzan, Drizzt had witnessed the folly of following the commands of deities, and he liked not at all what he had seen. "'Who is your god, Drow?' Montalio asked. In all the weeks he and Drizzt had been together, they'd not really discussed religion. "'I have no god,' Drizzt answered boldly. "'And neither do I want one.' It was Montalio's turn to pause. Drizzt rose and walked off a few paces. "'My people follow Loth,' he began. "'She, if not the cause, is surely the continuation of their wickedness, as this Groomish is to the orcs, and as other gods are to their people. To follow a god is folly. I shall follow my heart instead.' Montalio's quiet chuckle stole the power from Driz's proclamation. "'You have a god, Drizdewarden,' he said. "'My god is my heart,' Driz declared, turning back to him. "'As is mine. "'You named your god as my leaky,' Driz protested. "'And you have not found a name for your god yet,' Montalio shot back. "'That does not mean that you have no god. "'Your god is your heart, and what does your heart tell you?' "'Do not know,' Drizzt admitted, after considering the troubling question. "'Think, then,' Montalio cried. "'What did your instincts tell you at the Knollband, or of the farmers in Maldabar? "'Loth is not your deity, that much is certain. "'What god or goddess then fits that which is Drizduarden's heart?' Montalio could almost hear Drizzt continuing shrugs. "'You do not know?' the old ranger asked. "'But I do.' "'You presume much,' Drizzt replied, still not convinced. "'I observe much,' Montalio said with a laugh. "'Are you of like heart with Gwenhyver?' "'I have never doubted that fact,' Drizzt answered honestly. "'Gwenhyver follows my leaky.' "'How can you know?' Drizzt argued, growing a bit perturbed. He didn't mind Montalio's presumptions about him, but Drizzt considered such labeling an attack on the panther. Somehow, to Drizzt, Gwenhyver seemed to be above gods and all the implications of following one. "'How can I know?' Montalio echoed incredulously. "'The cat told me, of course. Gwenhyver is the entity of the panther, a creature of my leaky's domain.' "'Gwenhyver does not need your labels,' Drizzt retorted angrily moving briskly to sit again beside the ranger. "'Of course not,' Montalio agreed. "'But that does not change the fact of it. "'You do not understand, Drizduaden. "'You grew up among the perversion of a deity.' "'And yours is the true one?' Drizd asked sarcastically. "'They are all true, and they are all one, I fear,' Montalio replied. Drizzt had to agree with Montalio's earlier observation. He did not understand. "'You view the gods as entities without,' Montalio tried to explain. "'You see them as physical beings trying to control our actions for their own ends, and thus you, in your stubborn independence, reject them. The gods are within, I say, whether one has named his own or not. You have followed my leaky all of your life, Drizzt. You merely never had a name to put on your heart. Suddenly Drizzt was more intrigued than skeptical. 
What did you feel when you first walked out of the Underdark? Montalio asked. What did your heart tell you when you first looked upon the sun or the stars or the forest green? Driz thought back to that distant day when he and his drow patrol had come out of the Underdark to raid an elven gathering. Those were painful memories, but within them loomed one sense of comfort, one memory of wondrous elation at the feel of the wind and the sense of newly bloomed flowers. And how did you talk to Bluster? Montalio continued. No easy feat, sharing a cave with that bear. Admit it or not, you're the heart of a ranger, and the heart of a ranger is the heart of my leaky. So formal a conclusion brought back a measure of Driz's doubts. And what does your goddess require? He asked, the angry edge returning to his voice. He began to stand again, but Montalio slapped a hand over his leg and held him down. Require? The ranger laughed. I am no missionary spreading a fine word and imposing rules of behavior. Did I not just tell you that the gods are within? You know my leaky's rules as well as I. You've been following them all of your life. I offer you a name for it, that's all. And an ideal of behavior personified, an example that you might follow in times that you stray from what you know is true. With that, Montalio took up the branch and Drizzt followed. Drizzt considered the words for a long time. He did not sleep that day, though he remained in his dead, thinking. I wish to know more of your, our, goddess, Drizzt admitted the next night, when he found Montalio cooking their supper. And I wish to teach you, Montalio replied. A hundred sets of yellow bloodshot eyes settled to stare at the burly human as he made his way through the encampment, reining his yellow dog tightly to his side. Roddy didn't enjoy coming here to the fort of the Orc King, Grawl but he had no intentions of letting the drow get away this time. Roddy had dealt with Grawl several times over the last few years. The Orc-King, with so many eyes in the wild mountains, had proven an invaluable, though expensive, ally in hunting bounties. Several large orcs purposefully crossed Roddy's path, jostling him and angering his dog. Roddy wisely kept his pet still, though he, too, wanted to set upon the smelly orcs. They played this game every time he came in, bumping him, spitting at him, anything to provoke a fight. Orcs were always brave when they outnumbered opponents, a hundred to one. The whole group swept up behind McGristel and followed him closely as he covered the last fifty yards up a rocky slope to the entrance of Grawl's cave. Two large orcs jumped out of the entrance, brandishing spears to intercept the intruder. "'Why's yous come?' One of them asked in their native tongue. The other held out its hand as if expecting payment. No pay this time, Roddy replied, imitating their dialect perfectly. This time, Grawl pay. The orcs looked to each other in disbelief, then turned on Roddy and issued snarls that were suddenly cut short when an even larger orc emerged from the cave. Grawl stormed out and threw his guards aside, striding right up to put his oozing snout only an inch from Roddy's nose. Grawl pay, he snorted, his breath nearly overwhelming Roddy. Roddy's chuckle was purely for the sake of those excited orc commoners closest to him. He couldn't show any weakness here, 
like vicious dogs, orcs were quick to attack anyone who did not stand firm against them. I've information, King Grawl, the bounty hunter said firmly. Information that Grawl would wish to know. Speak, Grawl commanded. Pay? Roddy asked, though he suspected that he was pushing his luck. Speak! Grawl growled again. Is you words has value? Grawl will let you live. Roddy silently lamented that it always seemed to work this way with Grawl. It was difficult to strike any favorable bargain with the smelly chieftain when he was surrounded by a hundred armed warriors. Roddy remained undaunted, though. He didn't come here for money, though he had hoped he might extract some, but for revenge. Roddy wouldn't openly strike against Drizzt while the drow was with Mushi. In these mountains, surrounded by his animal friends, Mushi was a formidable force, and even if Roddy managed to get past him to the drow, Mushi's many allies, veterans such as Dove Falconhand, would surely avenge the action. "'There be a dark elf in your domain, mighty orc king!' Roddy proclaimed. He didn't get the shock he'd hoped for. "'Rogue!' Grawl clarified. "'You know already!' Roddy's wide eyes betrayed his disbelief. "'Drow killed Grawl's fighters!' the orc chieftain said grimly. All the gathered orcs began stamping and spitting, cursing the dark elf. "'Then why does the drow live?' Roddy asked bluntly. The bounty hunter's eyes narrowed as he came to suspect that Grawl did not know the drow's location. Perhaps he still had something to bargain with. "'Me scouts cannot find him!' Growl roared, and it was true enough, but any frustration the Orc King showed was a finely crafted piece of acting. Growl knew where Drizzt was, even if his scouts did not. "'I have found him!' Roddy roared, and all the Orcs jumped and cried in hungry glee. Growl raised his arms to quiet them. This was the critical part the Orc King knew. He scanned the gathering to locate the tribe's shaman, the spiritual leader of the tribe, and found the red-robed Orc watching and listening intently, as Grawl had hoped. On advice from that shaman, Grawl had avoided any action against Montaliu for all these years. The shaman thought the cripple who was not so crippled to be an omen of bad magic, and with their religious leader's warnings— all the orc tribe cowered whenever Montaleo was near. But in allying with the drow, and if Grawl's suspicions were correct, in helping the drow to win the battle on the high ridge, Montaleo had struck where he had no business, had violated Grawl's domain as surely as had the renegade drow. Now convinced that the drow was indeed a rogue, for no other dark elves were in the region, the orc king only awaited some excuse that might spur his minions to action against the grove. Roddy, Grawl had been informed, might now provide that excuse. Speak! Grawl shouted in Roddy's face to intercept any forthcoming attempts for payments. Drow is with the ranger, Roddy replied. He sits in the blind ranger's grove. If Roddy had hoped that his proclamation would inspire another eruption of cursing, jumping, and spitting, he was surely disappointed. The mention of the blind ranger cast a heavy pall over the gathering, and now all the common orcs looked from the shaman to Grawl and back for some guidance. It was time for Roddy to weave a tale of conspiracy, as Grawl had been told he would. "'You must goes and get some,' 
Roddy cried. They're not for... Grawl raised his arms to silence both the muttering and Roddy. Was it the blind ranger who killed in the giant? The orc king asked Roddy slyly. And help the drow to kill me, fighters! Roddy, of course, had no idea what Grawl was talking about, but he was quick to catch on to the orc king's intent. It was, he declared loudly. And now the drow and the ranger plot against y'all. You must bash them and smash them before they come and bash yourselves. The ranger will be bringing his animals and elveses, lots and lots of elveses and dwarveses too, against Grawl. The mention of Monteleo's friends, particularly the elves and dwarves, which Grawl's people hated above everything else in the world, brought sour expressions on every face and caused more than one orc to look nervously over its shoulder, as if expecting the ranger's armies to be encircling the camp even then. Grawl stared squarely at the shaman. He who watches must bless the attack. The shaman replied to this silent question. On the new moon. Grawl nodded, and the red-robed orc turned about, summoned a score of commoners to his side, and set out to begin the preparations. Grawl reached into a pouch and produced a handful of silver coins for Roddy. Roddy hadn't provided any real information that the king did not already know. But the bounty hunter's declaration of a conspiracy against the orc tribe gave Grawl considerable assistance in his attempt to rouse his superstitious shaman against the blind ranger. Roddy took the pitiful payment without complaint, thinking it well enough that he had achieved his purpose and turned to leave. Use is to stay! Grawl said suddenly at his back. On a motion from the Orc King, several Orc guards stepped up beside the bounty hunter. Roddy looked suspiciously at Grawl. Guest, the Orc King explained calmly. Join in the fight! Roddy wasn't left with any options. Grawl waved his guards aside and went alone back into his cave. The Orc guards only shrugged and smiled at each other, having no desire to go back in and face the King's guest, particularly the huge silver-furred wolf. When Grawl had returned to his place within, he turned to speak to his other guest. Yous was right, Grawl said to the diminutive sprite. I am quite good at gathering information. Tifanus beamed, and silently he added, and creating favorable situations. Tifanus thought himself clever at that moment, for not only had he informed Roddy that the drow was in Monteleo's grove, but he had arranged with King Grawl for Roddy to aid them both. Grawl had no love for the blind ranger, Tifanus knew, and with the drow's presence serving an excuse, Grawl could finally persuade his shaman to bless the attack. Karok will help in the fight? Grawl asked, looking suspiciously at the huge and unpredictable silver wolf. Of course, Tifanus said immediately. It is in our interest, too, to see those enemies destroyed. Karok. Understanding every word the two exchanged, rose up and sauntered out of the cave. The guards at the entrance did not try to block his way. Karak will rouse the wargs, Tefanus explained. A mighty force will assemble against the blind ranger. Too long he's been an enemy of Karak. Grawl nodded and mused privately about the coming weeks. If he could get rid of both the ranger and the drow, his valley would be more secure than it had been in many years since before Monteleo's arrival. The ranger rarely engaged the orcs personally, 
But Grawl knew it was the ranger's animal spies that always alerted the passing caravans. Grawl could not remember the last time his warriors had caught a caravan unawares, the preferred orc method. If the ranger was gone, however... With summer, the height of the trading season fast approaching, the orcs would prey well this year. All that Grawl needed now was confirmation from the shaman that he who watches, the orc god Groomish, one-eyed, would bless the attack. The new moon, a holy time for the orcs, and a time when the shaman believed he could learn of the god's pleasures, was more than two weeks away. Eager and impatient, Grawl grumbled at the delay, but he knew that he would simply have to wait. Grawl, far less religious than others believed, meant to attack no matter the shaman's decision, but the crafty orc king would not openly defy the tribe's spiritual leader unless it was absolutely necessary. The new moon was not so far away, Grawl told himself. Then he would be rid of both the blind ranger and the mysterious drow.